Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on now Wednesday, October 28th of 2020. We are at the middle of the week and literally two days before the weekend. It's been such an interesting uh, seven months. It seems like just yesterday, it was March, and, and this pandemic hit us hard. And here we are almost now at the end of the year. Time has been running. But what we do thank the Lord for is that through these months, God has been able to keep us, sustain us by his word. And and we thank God for you who have been with us for some time already. And maybe some of you that are joining us, but I know a lot of you have been with us since the beginning. And I think we can testify of one thing, and that is that the word has sustained us. And yeah. brought clarity to our lives to be able to uh, decipher or to be able to navigate. That's the word. To be able to navigate through such through these times. It's the word of God that has kept us. Hasn't always been easy to declare these things, you know. But uh, God allows us to do it. And at the end of the day, it does bring hope. It does bring strength, not just to us, but but to the body of Christ as a whole. So we welcome you today to this Bible study. As you've been, if you have been with us, we've been in the Book of Acts, and specifically these last three podcasts, we or four, we've been in Chapter 16, uh, where so much of, of the prophetic has been coming out. Uh, the examples, the parallels that we see, the comparisons that uh, Brother Marty has been making with the Book of Revelation, with the woman, the harlot, woman that rides the beast, the harlot. And so many things that we are seeing and where we're heading. So uh, it's been an interesting ride, but yet uh, one that is, again, bringing clarity. Bringing clarity to our hearts concerning the days that we are living. So I'm excited today about about the uh, podcast. I'm excited today about the study uh, and what God has for us. As always, uh, God's word is always fresh. Just like the manna was fresh every morning for the people of God in the wilderness, the manna is fresh for us today in our wilderness, amen, in this world that we live in. Joining us today in our podcast, we have Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and as always, it is a pleasure to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, on this Wednesday, we give it to you as we continue in our journey, as Paul's journey to Athens and... uh, we are excited about what God has for us. So we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. It's good to be back again. Uh, we're going to continue studying in the 16th chapter as we've been looking uh, and discovering together. There are many prophetic overtones uh, recorded in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, which happened to be Paul's second missionary journey where he chooses his ministry team for the first time, having parted with Barnabas, Barnabas taking John Mark, Paul taking Silas and Timothy, who they would uh, add to the team as they came into Leicester and Derby, along with uh, the great writer of the book of Acts, uh, St. Luke. So you have these four gentlemen heading into uh, the 16th chapter, where the Holy Spirit begins to increase the intensity by which Luke records he is leading the ministry team, where we're told in Acts 16, uh, 6, where 
they were intending to go into Asia, but they were forbidden. And that's the word. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And they tried to get into Bithynia in, in verse 7, and, and, and there it says they were not allowed to go by the Spirit. And then they come into uh, the place called Troas, where it was revealed to us that the Apostle Paul had a night vision. And that is where we begin to see that the tone is being set for something that is about to happen. And indeed, there are three events that occurred uh, where our attention is drawn to in, in Acts chapter 16. And we've covered those at length, the first two. Um, and, and, and we have shown how that the Spirit of God, uh, having Luke record those specific events, in the layers of the truth that can be peeled away and explored and examined, we began to see that there are many parallels with the three specific historical events that take place in Macedonia, in Philippi. Macedonia being the territory of Alexander the Great, a foreshadow of the Antichrist. They come to Philippi where they come to rest in a colony uh, that is and really the whole territory is controlled by the Roman Empire. Another foreshadow of the end-of-time global system, the great beast system, the exceedingly fierce that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 7. So we've been digging into deeper uh, uh, insights in the Word of God found in the actual historical accounts. And we've been pointing out the specific language that the Holy Spirit had Luke um, use when he constructed <laughs> his sentences, he uses very symbolic language to point out certain things. And so we encourage you, if you're just joining us, go back and listen to the last couple podcasts in order to bring yourself up to speed. We cannot uh, get into the, you know, the 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 <laughs> lay the premise again for how we're interpreting uh, interpreting scripture here. But but we encourage you to go back and listen if you're just joining us in case. Uh, you get a little confused as to how we're getting what we're getting. But for those of you who have been with us, we continue again today, and we've come to the third story. And so we're going to uh, have Brother Jeremy, if he would please, begin to read to us today in the book of Acts, chapter 16, uh, verse 25 and 26. And before he does, uh, we're getting really close um, Athens, because that's the title of this series. We've gone through 16 chapters of the book of Acts on our way, journeying uh, ultimately to the destination of the very seat of democracy in the ancient world known as Athens. And it's there that we're headed, and we're almost there. And uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, begin our study there tomorrow as we come to the conclusion of chapter 16. And so uh, we pray that you'll be blessed today. And we pray you have your Bibles, and uh, and we pray that uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit allows us to open these things up by His grace, the glory of the Lord. So would you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, as we begin our discussion today in Jesus' name. Amen. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed 
and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. As we've been looking and we've been discussing and, and we've gone through the first two things or historical accounts of, of their time there in Philippi and in Macedonia, uh, we've, we've seen how it kind of culminates here. We come to this third phase of what they endured and went through, and it, it ultimately ends up with them in prison. And, and again, Luke uses very, very descriptive language here when he talks about uh, the midnight hour. And we're going to look at that today and, and the symbolism of it and, and, and what we can learn and glean from it. Uh, but before we do, uh, Brother Jeremy, could you read to us chapter 16, verse 20 and 21? And brought them to the magist magistrate, saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So what got them in prison was what we talked about yesterday, was that they had uh, cast out the spirit of divination from a particular woman in the city. And we talked at length about that representing in a prophetic sense uh, the, 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 the spirit of Babylon or the mother of harlots that, that appears in Revelation 17 and 18. And so we encourage you to go back and listen to those last two podcasts because we dealt with that at length. But the result of this is that uh, they are, they, immediately persecution is, is drawn to them. And what we're beginning to see in verse 20 and 21, when we look at it from the prophetic point of view, that is this, uh, that what we are going to see and what the Holy Spirit is, is, is revealing to us there is this transition that takes place after uh, the, the, the woman with the spirit of demodation goes off the scene. Uh, an, an, an increase in the, in the scrutiny and the persecution of, upon Paulus and Silas in a way that they haven't experienced to this point been existing in the city, they've been ministering, they've been preaching by the river, they've been hanging out for several days, very much, uh, you know, a a type of of the end time, and then the in the end times, a, a shifting once we begin to see uh, certain elements in place. For instance, Lydia, as we talked about, representing a remnant that's going to be secured in the house. And and then she goes off the scene as this spirit of divination is dealt with, representing the mother of harlots, right? So the flow of prophetic scriptures um, is resident here within this 16th chapter. And once the spirit of divination uh, has been removed from the scene, which we talked about at length again, and we encourage you to go back and listen to the last couple of podcasts to bring yourself up to speed, um, then what seems to be being revealed here is the shift of the focus and the intensity now increases as attention is drawn specifically uh, to Paul and Silas and uh and they <laughs> they are uh, they they're arrested and brought to trial so what we need to understand and and you guys can jump in any time is is what we are witnessing here is a foreshadow of of the of the ultimate beast system. As a matter of fact, all the components of the Book of Revelation 
uh, beast that rises up out of the sea can be found in this 16th chapter, if you think about it. Um, for instance, where they go and 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 are brought by the by the uh, by the Holy Spirit in uh, in our story into Macedonia, and and like we talked about, Macedonia uh, is the birthplace of Alexander the Great, which is a foreshadow of the Antichrist. But Macedonia is a, is Greek. It's it's the Greek culture from whence Alexander would come. That's one thing. The second thing is it's now controlled and dominated by the, the Roman Empire, which is the second component within chapter 16. And uh, then we see the spirit of Babylon uh, in, in this woman uh, that is controlled by a spirit of divination. Now, why is that important and why do we see the parallel? Well, when you go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 13, take a look at that, Brother Jeremy, you'll see that all three elements mentioned in Revelation 13 are present in uh, Acts chapter 16 in the three stories that we're looking at. And they're found they're found in what John describes, symbolically speaking now, uh, are chief components of the global system that's revealed in Revelation 13. Can you read that in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 13? Yes. And I stood... And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now, without hopefully, if the Lord allows and, and, and we go forward in, in these coming weeks as we close out the year, we'll get into these things in, in much more depth. But again, what we're trying to point out to you are the prophetic overtones, the metaphors, if you will, that are found in the 16th chapter in the three specific stories that are recorded by St. Luke. And what we're proposing and, and, and laying the thesis or the groundwork for you to see is that is that the reason that, that chapter 16 is recorded the way it is, it, it is specifically inspired by the Holy Spirit in order for us to understand something at a much deeper level and the kinds of characteristics that we need to pay attention to for for those upon whom the ends the ends of time have come, we can learn from these things. Now, in Revelation 13, there are three things that are pointed out as far as what makes up the system in the end. In verse two, uh, the overall beast is—he's identified as the beast, and and really that beast is that beast system. It's that exceedingly fierce end-of-time system, it is the Roman Empire, uh, or at least the vestiges of it, the spirit of Rome uh, that, that remains. And, and, it, and for all intents and purposes, Rome has never gone away since the days of, of the early church. It merely morphed itself into a religious and politically religious-driven system. Its military capability was stripped from it as it evolved into the Roman Catholic Church. 
and became the most powerful religious institution on the planet and and then expanded its reach globally, but under the guise of both spiritual and political power. So when we see this beast in Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, what we see here is is three characteristics. He says in verse 2, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. For those of you who aren't students of, of biblical history or prophecy, the leopard was the symbol that was attached to the uh, to the Greek Empire and 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 its leader Alexander the Great. So when we talk to you about uh, one of the components of the beast system being present in chapter 16 uh, and and paralleling. Uh, at a deeper level, what was yet to come and be revealed in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, here we see it. See, the Greek element of the story of chapter 16 in the book of Acts is found in where the Holy Spirit took Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke to. He took them to a colony in Macedonia. He took them to Philippi. He took them to the, to the territory of the Greek, the ancient Greek empire. And so it is a it is a a referenced and a prophetic overtone for the discerning to understand that what is actually being revealed in the book of Acts chapter 16 is just that is a deeper understanding of of a prophetic nature that points to the end of time. So we see the Greek empire in chapter 16 in Macedonia. We see the bear which is the Medo-Persian empire which was famous uh, for its 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 uh, laws, right? The law of the Medes and the Persians. Well, we see that in what we were just reading in Acts chapter 16, verse 20 and 21, when Paul and Silas are finally arrested. They're arrested under the basis of law. And so we see present there another aspect or component of the uh, beast system in chapter 16, as we see it in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. And then the third component of this beast is the mouth of a lion. The lion represents the Babylonian empire. So that component, which is spirituality or pseudo-spirituality, is present also in Acts chapter 16, and, and it takes the form of the woman uh, who is possessed with the spirit of divination. And then and then these three characteristics revealed in the book of Revelation are embodied by 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 the beast. And the beast is that is that Roman Empire, which is what we see also in chapter sixteen. And so all of these components are present in the sixteenth chapter. Now for those of you who are absolutely thoroughly confused by now, we ask you to go back and listen to the to the previous two or three podcasts and and you won't be as confused. But we're talking to you at a level that's different now because the reason that we're exploring it from this perspective is because we are entering these times and we're well into them really right now. The The, the reality of what is coming is, is, is about to be seen at a level that, that has not been witnessed by previous generations except for the early church. And so how these men of God and these women of God navigated themselves in the beginning and what we can learn from them are vital and necessary tools for us upon whom the ends of, of the age have come. 
We're going to need to know how to act. We're going to need to know what to look for. We're going to need to understand the signals of the times in which we live. And that's why we're looking the way we are. So when we look at Acts chapter uh, 16, verse 20 and 21, what Brother Jeremy, could you read that again to us, Brother Jeremy? What we're reading is the arrest of Paul and Silas. And how is it described in verse 20 and 21, chapter 16, Brother Jeremy? Again, could you read that? And brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. There's a whole bunch of things that they lay out there as to why uh, this arrest took place. Now, we want to look at it in terms of what the Bible predicts for the end of time in order to understand that the same spirit is flowing now. Understand that the system and the system by which this story that we're reading about in in Acts chapter 16, it parallels the system of our times. It's how we know we're approaching these days. How they uh, attacked Paul and Silas was based on the system. And the system is designed to do several things. One is to control the population. But it's also to fully indoctrinate the population, to to produce an allegiance, and and thus by that allegiance in the eyes of God, really a worship that must ultimately be exclusive to the state. (laughs) All right? So... um, so that's what we're seeing here because, you know, I know there's a lot of fancy words, but I mean, listen, uh, that's what we're seeing here in verse 20 and 21. They bring them to the magistrates, and, and, and the first thing they begin to do is, is, to, is to be deceptive. Why do you say that, Brother Marty? Because what we are told is the basis for their anger before they get to the court is that is verse 19. Read verse 19 to us, Brother Jeremy. Would you please? And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. So, you know, when they actually get them and bring them to the rulers and to the court, the magistrates, they don't even mention money. There's no mention of money at all in the case that they make against them. So right away we see a deception here, a deception uh, that is that is that is being pulled off here uh, by these by these wealthy elite who had controlled Babylon's spirit, so to speak, and the damsel possessed with the spirit of divination. But the the basis for them coming after them was uh, was that they caused them to suffer in their pocketbooks, right? But that's not the basis by which they actually presented their case to the court. So mm-hmm. we see a, 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 a spirit of deception here, right? They're lying. Right. <laughs> right. They're lying. That's, Go ahead, brother. That's, brother Marty, that's a characteristic of, you know, what Jesus called him the uh, father of lies, right, Satan. It's been mm. the way that, that he operates. And I think a principle we can learn is that whenever, whenever in the Word of God, we hear 
the word serpent, it's, it's speaking about a characteristic of Satan that is very peculiar to him, to him alone, and that is deception. He used yeah. that in the beginning, at, at right, in, in, the, in the creation, when he deceived Adam um, and, and Eve. And one of the things that I noted in my studies of that from a long time is that he never said that you would be more than God. He said you'd be like God, right? He twisted yeah. the scriptures. Of, he twisted the scriptures, and, and that's what we. Use, that's what you're talking about today. Uh, how they use deception in what they in what they spoke. That's why it, it's telling. You know, I mentioned it yesterday. I say it again. Jesus, this is the first thing that he warned us about. Right? Be not deceived. And yeah. so, what, what what you're saying is 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 very accurate. And we want the listener to understand, and, and as you've been saying, if you don't, if you allow me just to say this, that to reiterate, don't look at this story, what we're reading, just as, you know, Paul and Silas were praising God, you know, that that's beautiful for the sake of the preacher, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, terms, yeah. right? But yeah. we're looking at something much more deeper, and that's the control that the Roman Empire had in that time of the yeah. people which is representative of what you, you were talking about in the book of Revelation. And this yes. is what was coming against. It was a spirit. It was a spirit that was coming against these men of God. This is not a just a few men making up a little lie. No, they were being used as Satan to come against the gospel, to come against these men of God. just wanted to say that. No, that's really good. And, and and that spirit of deception, that that's the point. See, they used uh they, they they cloaked and deceived the court system. Not that it would have mattered anyway, uh but 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 they brought them to the court which resulted in them being imprisoned and beaten uh based on deception. They used the law to persecute even though the real the real heart of the matter was was a completely different agenda and what it cost them. You know what it, when you were talking about that it made me think of well have we seen anything like that? Well yeah, it's going on all around us, but the one thing that came to my my mind and memory was do you remember that that case in Oregon uh where where the uh, the gay couple uh went to the bakery, bakery right? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> And they were angry, and, and they were purposely, as we came to learn uh, learn later, they were purposely sent in there into a Christian bakery, uh, knowing that it was going to generate a, a lawsuit. You know, the, uh, the, the actual, uh, and I won't name them here, but they're part of the LGBTQ community, uh, they, the politically active activist wing of it, they they purposely sent them in there knowing uh that they that that it would be against the conscious conscience and against the scriptural belief system and faith of the owner of the business but they wanted to ratchet up an agenda uh which was the 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 pretext to bring uh you know an overturning of the law uh or an an addition to the law as it pertains to civil rights, and and uh, and so what they did was they sent them into the, in there under the pretext of marriage, knowing that he could not, in good conscience, because of the faith that he possessed, uh, sanction uh, you know a, a wedding uh, uh, of, 
of, of these two men. And it was against his conscience. So, so knowing that he was going to do that, it then gave them the opportunity to slap down a lawsuit, which they understood would make its way through the court system all the way to the Supreme Court, where then it could be uh, determined. And in their calculations, a victory could be won, which would, which would by law, um, even open the door to a more wider agenda uh, of that particular community. And so we see that same spirit of deception that we see in the book of Acts well underway now in our community. And, and what's interesting about that case, too, brothers, was that, was that those, those, those people that went in there, they frequented his bakery. He never refused service to them ever or any member of the community. It was, it was only when it went against his biblical beliefs and his conscience that he had to say, I can't do that. I can't make you a cake for your marriage because it's against the principles of what I believe. And they know that. And so what they did and what we see that these men did in the days of Paul and Silas was they used that as a pretext to attack their religion because they ultimately right. wanted to, to destroy them and what they preach. So that's what they went on and do. Go ahead, brother. But Marty, I'm also reminded of the story in the book of Daniel in the times of Darius. When remember the the, the other rulers or the what the Bible calls them presidents, there were yeah. about three of them that the that 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 the Darius had over all his the region where he ruled, and they were jealous of the favor of God in his life. So they they used deceptive ways to bring upon a law that ultimately put Daniel in the lion's den. And as much as even the king himself, who loved Daniel, tried to stop them from doing it, he couldn't because of what you were talking about, the law, yeah. right? <laughs> That's right. what they know. The law of the Medes and the Persians were known for that. It could not be changed. But we see here how they deceptively uh, constructed a way to have the king, to coerce the king into approving this law, but then ultimately it was really to to go against Daniel. So that's one example. Another example that I can see too of using the deception. And also speaking about you were talking about one of the beasts, right? The the media Persians and, yes. and how they were known for their famous for their laws. Right, by basis of law. And and when we get into this case here in chapter twenty and I mean sixteen, verse twenty and twenty one, they appeal to it based on their customs as well. So they open it up to uh to to their religious system their pantheism, their paganism. It, it, it's why they go on and, and say in verse 20, can you read verse 20 on the basis of what they say about them? Can you read verse 20? Yes. And brought them to the magistrate, saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. So uh, when they when they come to the court, and again, we're talking about prophetic things, what they identify them as 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 Jews, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said, being Jews, they trouble our city. Now, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing. Why did they emphasize them being Jews? Well, for one thing, uh, they they were not only Jews; they were Christian Jews, right? And and they were they were monotheistic. In other words, they preached one King, one God. But it goes deeper than this. If you want to go a little deeper, uh, 
and, and you and you do a little history research, even the scripture itself reveals it to us. In 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 um in Acts chapter eighteen, brother, could you read to us verse one and two? One chapter over, two chapters over. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately came lately came from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. So the origin and the basis by which they're attacking them legally, they appeal, remember they're up under Roman domination here, they appeal to an edict that was issued by Claudius Caesar, Caesar being a type of the Antichrist. And and that appeal was that uh, was that Claudius had kick the Jews out of Rome. And and when you do your actual historical study here, you'll see that it had its origins in what they call uh, the doctrine of Christus. And so scholars debate over this, but it's quite possible that what had happened, if you go back to the book of Acts chapter 2, would you go over there, Brother Jeremy? Acts chapter 2. Yes. When the Holy Spirit fell, a list of... of of uh, people that were filled with the Holy Spirit is given, and 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 the nations uh, that were present in Jerusalem and that got saved, and part of that that uh, that group that's listed is found in verse ten. Can you read verse ten, Brother Jeremy? Yes, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt. And in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. So present on the proselytes, right. So present at the day of Pentecost were Jews from Rome who brought uh, converts, proselytes from Rome, just to celebrate the Shavuot or the day of Pentecost. They were in Jerusalem. But when they the Holy Spirit fell, they became part of those who got saved, and they went back to Rome. And when they went to Rome, they came preaching a whole new doctrine. They came preaching the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it caused division amongst the, the people in the city, and you can study it out yourself. And again, like I said, there's debate between scholars as to who this Christus was. Some believe Christus was Christ that they were preaching Christ, Christus being Latin for Christ, or some believe that Christus uh, is Christians, uh, and, and the way it was spelled in, in Rome was with an E instead of an I. But either way, what we see happening here is that the origin of the trouble that occurred in the capital city that got the attention of Caesar himself, Claudius, the type of the Antichrist, it, he issued an edict and he expelled them from the capital city. So when we're here in Acts chapter 16, these men, skillfully so, because they're Greek, but the magistrates are Roman. And when they come, when they come to the Roman court, they they appeal to them on the basis of Caesar and his edict. And that's why they say, these people being Jews, uh, they... they they want to have an ironclad case against them because should the magistrates determine that, ah, this is a dispute of religion and they don't really care like Pontius Pilate tried to do, uh, th then, you know, if Caesar would find out about it, they'd get in trouble. So they immediately go 
on the basis of the edict that was issued by a prefigure of the Antichrist himself. I don't know if you can see that, but it's there. And what we're talking about in Acts chapter 16, verse 20, is just that. The basis on which uh, our gospel will become, and really it's already become the point of hatred and persecution, is going to be uh, because of its exclusivity, because we preach a king, a supreme king. Uh, And there's only one king, there's only one Lord, there's only one God, there's only one Savior. That's what we preach. His name is Jesus Christ. And that more and more becomes the focal point of persecution. Because remember, we're in pantheistic Greece here in Macedonia. The Romans adopted the Greek gods and and, and vice versa. And, 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 And they really didn't matter who you worship as long as Caesar was the central focus of your allegiance. He didn't care who you worshiped. But what distinguished them from everyone else and the skill by which the spirit of the dragon that flows through these men is is used to bring Paul and Silas to court is the fact on the basis of what they go on to say that they teach customs which aren't lawful for us to receive or observe. Because to become part of what they were preaching, they were arguing, would mean that we would have to reject Rome, we would have to reject Caesar. And Caesar already kicked these people out of the capital city because they went around preaching a doctrine that is contrary to our customs, our laws, and the things that we observe. So what the Holy Spirit is indicating here is as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, that basis by which the church itself will come up under persecution is going to be driven by the exclusivity of the gospel that we preach. Yes. Yes. You can say that, that, that's mm-hmm. a great point, brother, because, you know, we can even say the problem today is not even Christianity. It's, it, that's not their problem, you know. It, you know, the problem is it's not what it's, – it's the exclusivity of the message, right? That, you know, yes. that, that's what they want us to compromise. Yes. Right? You could be a Christian. Yes. Just don't, you know, tell us we're in sin or, or, or tell us – you could be a Christian – have your churches open. Just don't preach this way. Just don't That's preach absolute, that message. Absolutely right. And and if you have eyes to see, bringing it up to our times now, there was just recently a, a, a peace treaty that was signed in the Middle East, mm-hmm. sanctioned by the Vatican, by the way. Uh, it was known as the Abraham Accords. And and if you if you dig into the Abraham Accords. Most people don't realize, I think it's next year or the year after, uh, that that part of the accord is that uh, that I think it was the United Arab Emirates in, in their particular part of the of the Middle East. They are currently, as we speak right now, they are building uh, three houses of worship. They're, they're going to create a centralized museum-like, uh, you know, celebratory thing of the three monotheistic religions one is a synagogue is being built to celebrate Judaism a mosque is being built to celebrate Islam and a church is being built to celebrate Christianity controlled by the Roman Catholic Church by the way wow. and so you so what they've done is they've placed all three religions on equal footing empowered by the political power of Rome which has morphed itself in our time uh, through through the papacy, 
sanctioned by the governments of the world. And so what you just said, Brother Jeremy, is absolutely correct. You can preach anything you want. Just don't be exclusive. And you see what they're doing is they're causing Christianity to become part of their pantheism. They're, they're multiple gods. There's many roads to God. It's one of the things that's going to increase in intensity against us, which is why they pointed out in their court system here, they're Jews. They're the ones who caused all that trouble in Rome. They're the ones that Caesar, our great leader, you know, kicked out precisely because of the trouble that it causes. Because it's exclusive. <laughs> it's exclusive. And, and, and what people get, you know, hooked up on and, and tripped out about when it comes to true Christianity. I like the way you said it, too. How do you say it, Brother Jeremy? You know, it's not about modern Christianity. It's it's about the message, right? What we call Christianity. Yes. Yeah, how did you say it? Do you remember? Do you remember? I don't remember because I probably was inspired from the Holy Spirit, so I probably forgot it already. It wasn't. Yeah, I was overwhelmed. I had to pick myself up off the floor after that statement. But no, but it's so. So, brother Marty, let's consider this. So, you know, what's coming upon this earth, right? It's not really even that the churches are going to be closed as you know, as much as it's the message, right? So. You know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's the message because we do see a hint that in the end, in the end, that the the Antichrist is gonna really go go away with all religion and ask to be worshipped. But meanwhile, he's gonna allow religions, right, as long yeah. as they're not exclusive, right? I'm right. speaking more about Christianity because that's what the problem is with. So yeah. you know, you'll probably see some churches open again, and but they're gonna be state run. You know, Absolutely. they're gonna be controlled. Yeah by the government. Yeah. And and again, it's 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 not just it's not about being a Christian, it's the explosivity of this message. Yeah. You know? And and that's where the deceitfulness uh and, and that's and that's what really the fight is, is against the message of Jesus Christ. And the seriousness it's, of, it's the, of the uh, it's the it's the moral demands mm. of, of the gospel. It is it, the it's it's the commandments of the Lord. Um, that, that's what they're they're trying to uh, stop from being proclaimed. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing already. You know, it, it's going to come down to okay, uh, pastor of a mega church. What do you want? Do you mm-hmm. want to continue filling up your mega church and bringing it the, bringing in the tithes and, and offerings, um, or do you want to continue preaching this this message that? puts a, a demand on mankind to live right and lose your church and your church is going to be closed. Uh, you know, you you won't right. have the tithes and offerings coming in. What are you going to choose? Right? We'll take away your 501c status, your, your, your nonprofit status. What are you going to choose? That is right. a huge temptation. Right. And it's already right. being dealt with. It's already being spoken about. Uh, amongst the, the 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 spiritual leaders of this nation, they know, they yeah. know something's going to have to give. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's not even it's, they're not even telling you. They're probably won't even say you can preach about Jesus. You can go ahead and preach. It's not wrong. Sing the song. Just don't preach. It's exclusive. And, and I know a few years ago, I don't know if you remember, Brother Marty, you preached a message from Psalms chapter two. And, and, and you brought up 
something I've never heard of. I mean, it was beautiful what, what you said in verse 3, where the desire of the people was let us, because I'm saying this because of what Brother Fernando just said about the problem is with the morals, you know, what, what, it, what the word of God demands. Remember yeah. when it, it says that let us break their bands asunder and cast away the cord from us, right? Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. That, that's what they want. They want to be free. They don't want the true message that confronts their lifestyle, that confronts every other religion, right? And yeah. um, I, I was just reminded of that, that something preached a few years ago. And, and that is that moral component that Brother Fernando was talking about, if you think about it, because, uh, you know, the gospel is an exclusive declaration. And, and and what's exclusive about it is not our opinion or our thought about the gospel. It is what the right. founder of the gospel said about himself. He said, I am the way, and I yeah. am the truth, and <laughs> and I am the life, he said. And no man comes to the creator, to the father, except through me. That's about as exclusive as you can get. He didn't say me and a host of other great philosophies or other doctrines or other ideas, other paths. He said, there's only one way, and I'm it. And that is what caused trouble. Because you see, in verse... What does what a, a, a state-ran religion look like? Uh, as it regards Christianity, does it remove Jesus or does it change him? Good question. I think it's I think Thank it's you. the latter. I think it's a combination. <laughs> <laughs> the real Christ yeah. is removed right. and replaced, right? Um, True. That's what angers them. If you if you want to see the spirit of the dragon at, in full flight. Just go and China. Google what China is doing to, to the Christian church right now. And subsequently, also go and do your history on what the Vatican has been doing as a representative of Christianity in communist China. The fact that, that the Vatican itself is being allowed to exist, while those that claim to be the true church are being hauled off to concentration camps and their churches burned down and their Bibles burned, you are literally seeing what you just said, Brother, Brother Fernando. You have a Christ that's that's being replaced, right, with the state, with the state-sanctioned religion. See, what we're talking about is happening all around us at a, at a very accelerated pace and rate. I wanted to point something out here in verse 20 as well where they say, and they brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews, which we're talking about, uh, do exceedingly trouble our city. Now, when you do some some historic research here in Philippi and and, the Col and, and Macedonia and all that, and Philippi had multiple temples in it to to to, to gods, right? To false gods, uh, to their the, their pantheon of, of mythology, right? Whether it was Apollo or Venus or Aphrodite, name you know whatever name you want to give to these gods, they had they had multiple expressions of spirituality. But what they said troubled the city was the was the gospel that these two men were preaching. Because mm -hmm. it, it brought into indictment that's that moral quality you're talking about, brother brother Fernando. It brought into indictment the falseness of everything else that everybody else worshipped. Had they just said it was one of of, of uh of many ways, it wouldn't have caused them any trouble. 
But they go on in verse 20 and it says they're teaching customs and and uh, which we can't receive and we can't observe. It's the same spirit today. See, it's okay to be, uh, you know, a, a gay priest now because we're becoming more culturally relevant. The very scriptures themselves are being altered or brought into question based on the time in which the scripture was written. In other words, to, to, to say it simpler, that's how it was then. It ain't like that now. You know, I mean, we're a whole different society. Do you still believe in slavery? The Bible talks about slaves honor your masters, right? You know, please. <laughs> we could talk about, but that's the kind of stuff they say, right? And when they talk about the the issue, the biggest issue is is homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism. Paul calls it effeminacy, right? Being effeminate. Uh, all these these sexually charged issues. So, you know, they're able to worship anything they want, but when you bring the true gospel out and you have to adhere to its tenets and what it says, that's where the rubber meets the road and where the city becomes troubled. Because you're you're, you're called counterculture, right? You're called... Right. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what they're saying in modern language today, right, about Paul and Silas. You know, they, they they teach customs that we ain't into, man. And and again, understand, this is up under a global system of their time. It's a foreshadow. That's why we're talking about it this way. The Holy Spirit is revealing to us in, in what they endured, what we're going to go through, and already beginning to. It, it, it's, it's coming to America, to quote Neil Diamond. <laughs> For those of you that are old enough to know who Neil Diamond is. It's coming to America, man, and it's here. It's well entrenched. Why do you think the the they they have fought so hard to prevent so-called conservative judges from taking the court systems? Why do you think they're talking about deconstructing the entire judiciary because they want to implement uh, laws that aren't, mind you, against Buddhism or Islam? or Mormonism, or Jehovah Witnesses, or any number of other philosophies, they're coming after what the gospel says. And as long as the gospel is preached, it becomes yes. the absolute light and moral authority of a culture. But when its own establishment morphs it and, and, and loosens its standard, it then too becomes absorbed into the state-sanctioned religion and is allowed to exist. But then that exposes the truth. And that's what they're coming after. That's what they did here in Acts chapter 16. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go on. You were going to say something? No. no? Uh, <laughs> you said, well, yeah, I'll say this. You said something there at the end that was very powerful. Um so what, what what government and, um, you know, a, a state-ran church seeks to do is to uh, absorb uh, the compromise first. Yes. And once the compromise is absorbed into the state-ran church, into the <laughs> spirit of the age, then it, it kind of... Uh, 
exposes or manifests the true believers, right? Yes. Uh, who will not bow down to the system. I mean, that's so powerful because that's exactly where we're at. Yes. Because we spoke about how when the world looks at the church, they look at the compromise and the uncompromised as one. That's right. Right? But they have to absorb the compromise, and then once that happens, then they isolate the uncompromised, the true bride of Christ, and then they can say, that's them. Right? Yes. But Absolutely. right now, <laughs> and and it's such a powerful thing you're saying, and I hope the listeners is listening very well. If you have eyes to see, because this is exactly what's happening. Yeah. And we've been saying this, and we've been bringing out this this point, and 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 and, and you know the, this, this this prophecy of of a separation of a of a compromised church and an uncompromised church, right? That that's going to take place. And we spoke about that at the very beginning, right, with, with the story of Lazarus, uh, which seems like it was years ago that we, <laughs> we did that podcast, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we spoke about how, how Judas represents a, 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 an apostate church and Lazarus and, this, and, and Martha and Mary represent a true church and Jesus is at their house, right? Yeah. Why yeah. was he at their house? Why is Paul going to, to outside the city walls by the river, right? A separation yes. has taken place. Uh, so it, it's so powerful. Praise God. Yeah, you know, uh, this is this is the insidiousness and the kind of uh, calculating uh, dark intelligence of demonic power and the, and the satanic kingdom in that he wraps himself. He thinks nothing of going into the center of the garden. He he wraps himself in doctrine and in the distortion of it. That's what he did with uh, Eve, right? Has God said this? Has God said that? Let's let's look at what God said from a different perspective. <laughs> That's basically what he was saying, right? And it plunged the entire universe into darkness, man. So oh, you made me think about what we're talking about is 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 Christianity morphing itself and becoming part of of the wall, watercolored painting of the times. It's just one of many colors. It's not a distinct color. But it's, it's that been, brother. It's been you know, for years. For years. Like yeah. you, like the listener has to understand this. This is not something that just happened overnight. Right. How we ended up here has been in the works for some thirty, fifty years. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. And it, and it began in both establishments, in the Catholic establishment and in the Protestant establishment. Once you began to create schools of theology uh, and, and, and the quest for enlightenment uh, through a scriptural basis, you ended up with things like Vatican II in the 60s, which morphed it, traditional Catholicism and their Latin masses, I've come to understand it, into a more progressive liberal ideology. There was also concerted efforts by the Communist Party of Russia, if you do your history, to infiltrate the theological schools of the most powerful establishment religion in the world, in history, the Roman Catholic Church, and infiltrate it with students all over the world that, that are Marxist-driven ideologues. 
And now the fruit of that has come to bear here some 40 years later in these old guys who walk around in their black robes and red little beanies they wear on their head. The cardinal, the College of Cardinals in Rome itself, headed by probably the worst socialist Marxist of all time, uh, Bergoglio, Francis, who came from Argentina. And now he's, he's running the papacy in connection with uh, the United Nations agenda. We are seeing it, as you said, Brother Fernando, developed over decades. Now, from the Protestant establishment, on the other end, we, we, we have seen the gospel uh, morph itself uh, into, uh, into, again, whether it's the Episcopalians or Lutherans or Presbyterians splitting apart, ordaining homosexuals, or whether it's the great uh, theological seminaries like Fuller that preach a pantheistic absorption of all religions, and that Christianity is just one, and that Jesus has been relegated to a philosopher rather than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or the distortion of manuscripts where they're adding and subtracting at their will in order to create a culturally, as they see it, relevant document called the Bible. It's all been distorted over years. Throw that uh, into the mix with the with the greed and the compromise of the so-called Pentecostal charismatic establishment which controls the major christian media around the globe and you have an antichrist system in full flight right now blossoming before our eyes and it's why in this in this story that we see in acts chapter 16 i believe what the holy spirit is saying is two things are going to emerge one that lydia the promise of her protection she goes into the house and she's not seen while all this that we're discussing right now is taking place. She's been safely uh, sequestered by the Holy Spirit in her house with her brethren and her household. She's safely there. While these things in the public square are revealed to us in Acts chapter 16. But subsequently, we also have a Paul and a Silas. And that is the Holy Spirit's way of telling us that he's going to have both existing in this time. There'll be the underground stealth-protected church represented by Lydia, but there's also going to be the anointed, aggressive servants of the Most High God in the public arena declaring the true gospel and calling a culture to account and why the judgment of God will fall. In some ways, they even represent the two witnesses of the book of Revelation, if you can see it and go a little deeper, right? So go ahead, brother. What What were you going to say? You know... Even on a smaller scale, I mean, I, I didn't go to a big school of seminar, uh, a seminar like these big schools. I went on a smaller scale one, but yet it was in, you know, it was it was a, a very it was serious, you know, the studies and stuff like that. But even there, I began to notice as a young Christian that many of them, for example, we would have like once every semester an intensive week where they would ram everything. They'd bring a special guest. And a lot of them were 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 recently graduated that uh, students who had just uh, uh, got their doctor's degree, and they would come and they would challenge us, and and they would begin to cast doubt on a lot of things that were orthodox that were that were there that we knew, and whenever if I ever pushed back, man, they would yell at you, you know. And I, what, what could I say against the doctor back then, right? I, I was barely right. learning and trying to find myself, you know. But I began yes. to see that that they began to question even principles that we had learned from such a young kid. And 
and this young new generation of doctors began to to be liberal with liberal thoughts, you know, that they learned in their colleges and their universities, and they began to to cast doubt, and that changed a lot of the students that were there who not brought these like, new ideas to their churches, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and as for me, I was I was looked at as an old fashioned, you know what I'm saying? And you're not gonna right. make it, and blah blah blah. But you know, I think God God gave me a, a semblance of, of grace to stick to my guns, not not caring who was changing. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't know a lot, but it's just in my spirit. And it's like, well, what are you doing? You're challenging things that we have been taught, right? Yeah. So yeah. I saw that. At a small, at a smaller scale, you know, in the school that I went to years ago, this is about, uh, this is about what twenty, twenty three years, twenty five years ago that I went, and it was already infiltrating these thoughts of questioning, right. of putting in doubt principles of the Bible. Yeah, and so you know, with that in mind, you know, taking the long term view, and and then and comparing scripture with scripture, these are precisely the things that the Apostle Paul would reveal after the sixteenth chapter. He goes into Thessalonica. Right on his way to Athens, we're we're pretty close now. He gets to, to Thessalonica, and when he writes to the church at Thessalonica, which we call the Book of Thessalonians, uh, it is there that he begins to reveal to the church that in the last days, that that the coming of the Antichrist will be preceded by a falling away of the church. Acts chapter two, right? I mean, uh, second second Thessalonians no. chapter two, when he said, right, when he says that that day mm-hmm. shall not come except there come a falling away first, then shall that wicked one be revealed. So the church itself had to come into a place where over time, we, we what you're talking about, both of you, we have witnessed indeed that falling away, that removing from orthodoxy is literally what the Greek is saying there, from established orthodox doctrine established foundational truths of the church would have to be removed by a compromised establishment leadership and subsequently uh, a a compromised uh, congregational setting. And that that itself is what makes way for the fullness of the spirit of Antichrist to blossom. And this is the basis of the argument that we're looking at here. You know, you guys made me think about also back in uh, in 2006, I think it was. I was on a radio program, and uh, and I was with a particular organization at the time. And on this radio program, uh, the the spiritual advisor or the guy in charge of uh, Barack Obama's campaign, he hadn't even been elected yet, um, he called into the radio program, and he was basically dispatched by the campaign to go and reach out to the evangelical community. And and so the debate ensued based on the policies that the young senator from Illinois held, specifically his stance on on uh, on abortion. And this guy, uh, who represented President Obama, uh, <laughs> it was intense. I mean, I, I barely said anything because he was absolutely tearing up the uh the the these big time preachers that were on the radio program with me right he was tearing them up i mean they 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 they, he had them in stitches they didn't even know how to argue with him and my point is this that guy was standing for evil but he has a list of doctorate degrees behind him in theology and his ability to communicate was at such a high satanic level 
<laughs> it was amazing. So even then, we were already seeing the progression of this absorption and relabeling of the gospel so that it can ultimately, the design of it, like, like Brother Fernando pointed out earlier, is, is, to, is to flush out the truth. It's one of the bases is just, just going down another trail here of why this religious leader is the one that institutes an economic system or, or lends its validity to an economic system where every person who is going to participate in it must receive a mark in their right hand or their forehead. It, it, it's, it has a spiritual component to it. And, and, and it, it is that mark that, that no Bible-believing Christian will be able to take. And it's that itself that is going to expose. See, in Revelation chapter 13, 11, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So notice what he's described as. He has two horns like a lamb, but the power by which he speaks is actually satanically inspired. So he looks Christian. He has two horns like a lamb. He is a representative of a massive establishment that will attach itself to the beast system and lend weight to the proclamation of the Antichrist himself that he is God. You know, the, the same thing was present in the days of Rome and, and the subject that we're looking at today. You could worship anything you wanted, but you, but you had to proclaim Caesar above all gods. It was the same in, uh, in Egypt. There were multiple gods, but Pharaoh had to be worshipped as the exclusive god among men. It's the same of Nebuchadnezzar. He erected a golden statue created in his own image. And, and, and demanded that they all fall down and worship it. It's been coming. Nimrod, the same thing at the beginning in, in, in the Tower of Babel account in the plains of Shinar. You know, he became a mighty hunter before God, a blasphemer of God, shaking his fist in the face of God. It's that same spirit. Now, what we see here in Revelation 13 is the, is the revelation of, uh, of Jesus given to the Apostle John through his, through his angel that he sent to reveal these things to him, telling him that there is a religious component that is a pseudo-Christianity, and we have seen it, and we're seeing it. It is the morphing of establishment religion under the guise of Christianity so as to, uh, to flush out or smoke out the real and the true. They're coming after us. And I don't mean to scare anybody because Lydia is hiding in the house, but there are a group of Paul and Silas's out there. You are going to be required to stand up for your faith and boldly declare what God has said. Both are going to be existing at the same time. And we are, we are moving so quickly in that direction right now. If you've been paying attention at all since the beginning of the year, you know, well, you know, I have a couple books here in my library, One is, and both of them are written by a uh, Klaus Schwab, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the chairman and organizer of the World Economic Forum, which is where all the major economic powers and government heads of state gather in uh, in a ski chalet in Switzerland every year. They gathered this year in January. 
He wrote two books. One is called COVID-19 and the Great Global Reset, and the other one he wrote is The Coming of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. All of it is driven by these global agenda-driven, you know, devils, right, that run all the power structures around the world. And in there, he proposes exactly what we're talking about. And and this is exactly what they're trying to do, is to reset the world. And, and, and that's why we've been talking about for the last several months. They're taking their shot right now. It's not coming 10 years from now or 20 years from now. They have pushed this agenda so far under the pretext of this global pandemic, taking it as an opportunity to further along everything we're talking about right now. The very same thing that we saw in Acts chapter 16 and how the Holy Spirit hides there information for the end times if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so the blurring of the lines between the real gospel and the fake gospel is well underway, and it is a signal to us to understand that the exclusivity of the gospel that we preach is going to be and has been the driving force to smoke out the true Christian. This is satanic. Remember, it is the Apostle Paul who told us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And so this is this is specifically designed, and we have had it revealed to us through the prophets and the holy apostles, that this 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 agenda would come and we you know if we could stand on the highest mountain and let it echo throughout the land we we would try doing that because that is where we are that is what we are seeing and this is what we must expect and this is the basis by which they will come after us and they have begun to come after us already only a state sanctioned approved religion is going to be allowed and, and and notice what else, Brother Jeremy. Could you read verse 21 to us again? And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Right. So, uh, they, they, again, they, they, they claim at the end of their little diatribe there, we can't. They're teaching stuff that we're, we're not allowed to, to receive. It's against the law. Uh, it would, it, in other words, it'd be infringing on other people, you know, because that's really the basis by which they're arguing here. This is a city that is filled right. with temples, right? <laughs> so what they're teaching us Incredible. is that, is that the, is this is the only way, and 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 we can't receive that. <laughs> and then they take it further and identify themselves with the global state, right? Because we're Romans. And again, for the spiritually understanding, and those of you a little more advanced in Bible study, you know that Roman is a trigger word for that final beast system that Daniel saw, Daniel chapter 7. You can read it in there. when It's called the exceedingly fierce beast. There's never been a beast like it. That system is in place here in this historical story we're reading, but it's also the Holy Spirit recording it for our benefit and for our time if we can see it. So it's a collective identification and persecution based on law and an uh, ecumenical understanding. It's okay to worship whatever you want to worship, but what these guys are talking about totally destroys this system we've created. It's why Caesar mm-hmm. kicked them out of Rome, right? That's what he said. Right. Go ahead, brother. 
No, I'm just, I'm, I'm agreeing. Uh, I see it. It's it's uh, it's the same spirit alive then that is moving now, that yeah. is uh, that is being formed to, you know, to to basically blame Christianity as the the very thing that stands between world peace or pseudo peace. Yes. Right. And and that's and that's what they're saying. You know, we're Roman. This is this is the global way of thinking. Your teaching mm-hmm. completely opposes yeah. that, and it is unlawful. That's incredible. Right? Yeah. Incredible. I mean, you're breaking the law here. That's what they're yes, saying. Sir. You're breaking the law here. You are preaching something that that the whole globe, because that's what Rome represents, is the world empire, is 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 against. I mean, think about that for a moment. This is the Apostle Paul and, and, and the boldness of the Holy Spirit that was in him. And he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care. He, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's declaring the gospel. And you said yeah. it earlier. We're all going to somehow, some way, in some shape or form, going to have to take a stand as well. You have to be prepared for that. So that's where it's coming. That's that's a really important point. You know, you have to be prepared for that. You know, uh, to give a sports analogy, right, you can have all the talent in the world as a, as a great, you know, whatever, football player, baseball, boxer, whatever. Uh, but if you haven't exercised and trained in advance of the big championship, right, the, the heavyweight fight or the, you know, game seven of the World Series or the Super Bowl, whatever. We're just using a sports analogy here. And then you get thrust into the moment. I don't care how talented you think you are. If you haven't put in the hard time to prepare for the event, you're going to get slaughtered. You know, Jesus talked about it in this way in Matthew 24. He said, because iniquity would abound, that the love of many would wax cold. In other words, he was indicating that the level of intense scrutiny that is that that is going to be ratcheted up with each uh, subsequent day that we're headed into, man, it's going to come to the very doorstep of our houses quite conceivably, at least in the public square, and and that that the quality of character that is developed in the secret places of your relationship with God will be made manifest in the open when it matters most. Who you are, what you are, and what you believe will be scrutinized. These brothers, Paul and Silas, I I, I stand in awe of them because they didn't back down. They didn't say, oh, gosh, we're just misunderstood. No, 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 that's not what we were saying. They didn't say any of that. (laughs) I mean, they're singing and praying at midnight. You know what I mean? After being whipped and beaten. Right? (laughs) I mean, I I, want to talk about that tomorrow. Go ahead, brother. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Uh, It brings me joy, you know, because, Again, this is what we're telling the the people. Like these times are coming, but it doesn't mean that it's all doom and gloom. It's going to bring about a song, a yeah. joy, you know, and that that is a blessing to me. And brother, an earthquake 
It opens prison doors and Amen. loosens the shackles of the prisoners. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know why we ain't got no power in the gospel we preach? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my. My goodness. Praise God. I, I think that's a great way to we'll, – we'll just bring it to a close right there. See, what ended up happening is what we talked about. They came up under the, the, the discipline of the state in a harsh, harsh way. But what blows my mind is 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 how they acted. Uh, singing and praying and singing to God at midnight. That's the kind of preachers we need to pray for that God would give us in this hour to raise up true quality men of God that are like Paul and Silas. I mean, I'm a million miles away from these men. I can't stand in the shadow of these men. I mean, when you read, and as we have been these last several weeks now, examining their lives, it is extraordinary to whether it's a it's a Barnabas or a Paul or a Silas or a Luke. You know, I mean, you go through the list. Even Peter, James, John. I mean, you go through the list of a of a of a Stephen who who lays out the case in front of the religious elite of his day, even to the point to where Jesus himself stood up. <laughs> Hallelujah, Acts chapter 7. Uh, these men are the kind of, of men we need today, and it is why we are so woefully short at the most crucial moment, in, at least in our lifetime, when we need when we need paragons of, of the gospel, when we need giants of the faith to stand up with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The landscape is woefully empty. And all I see blowing through uh, the sanctuaries where the pulpits are uh, <laughs> are the, the indicting tumbleweeds of the time that blow by. It's a vacuous church that we see now. But there's 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 Lydia's, there's Paul's, there's Silas's out there. You precious people that have been on this journey with us. I know because I feel you. And I know my brothers do too. When we pray for you, we read your testimonies. You are the ones that God is reaching. You are the ones that he's going to hide in the house. You are the ones that he's going to protect. Because his gospel uh, is bearing witness with your heart and, and I think you know more and more as the days go by we have entered those days let us pray to have this quality developed within us only the Holy Spirit can do it and and let it let, let us ask for him to, to you know, let us open our hearts in order for him to navigate the recesses of those places that we still hold to tell him the truth and he will heal us don't let him go like I've been saying for weeks now like Jacob you know, Jacob wasn't perfect, but he knew how to have power with God. He wouldn't let him go. Don't let him go, because he'll never let you go. He wants you to hold on to it. He wants you to ask him this day. He wants you to constrain him to come into the house, and he will, and he is, and he's there with you right now. He's as close, the Bible says, as the mention of his name. And so tomorrow we'll pick it up from here. And what happens at midnight is the most extraordinary, magnificent thing because it too, the final component of this story, 
is the final concluding thing that is about to happen. See, it wasn't, they weren't in there for weeks, right? What we're being told by the Holy Spirit is this is going to be a quick thing. It went from day to midnight to the morning. In the morning, they were let go. And there's a morning coming for us. That's we're entering into midnight. I think we're, we're, we're just about there. Uh, but, but never forget, child of God, uh, joy is coming in the morning. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know what else to say today. I was blessed by what your brother had to share today. That's really good stuff, man. I pray that you're blessed out there. And we look forward to, uh, we're just about in Athens now, but, but we're not, we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to walk by it and, and 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 forget to look for the handfuls on purpose that the Holy Spirit is allowing us to uh, to gather and place in in our basket. Amen. Praise God. Well, Jeremy. Amen. We pray you've been uh, blessed today, as Brother Marty says, with with the teaching today. You've been encouraged <clears throat> uh, today. You know, I, I was thinking, how did how did Paul and Silas get to that? Point where they could sing praises to God in the midst of all of this. This didn't happen overnight, but I can tell you it was a decision. They made up their mind. They set up. They settled in their minds from before that uh, not even death and men would stop them. If death could not hold Jesus, ultimately understand it cannot hold the believer who trusts in Him. Nothing will separate you from that. And we we thank God, and, and I think today in this hour, you must settle in your mind. You must determine in your heart that I shall not be contaminated, as Daniel said, right, with the drink and the food of the king. And if you do that, God will honor you. God will protect you. God will be with you in these times. Hope you join us tomorrow uh, on Friday as we continue in our journey. And as always, may God bless you. May God keep you and keep looking up.